everyone, this is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. That's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can learn more about Author Magazine at authormagazine.org, and we are funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. Uh, our conference is this week, people, so I, if you're going, I look forward to seeing you there. I'll be around the whole weekend, so see you there. To learn more about the PNWA, if you're not going to the conference, go to pnwa.org. Talk to a fascinating woman today for today's interview, Jennifer Banish. Done a lot of stuff. Came out writing different, did some ghostwriting, which she kind of enjoyed. Now she's moved on from that, but she's been a professor. She's been, well, let me just tell you a bit about her. She's a former professor of English and creative writing and author of the novels Silent Alarm, which was a finalist for the American Library Association's Best Fiction for Young Adults, White Lines, Simply Irresistible, Into Deep, uh, and The Elite. Jennifer is also the former co-founder and editor of Impetus Press, a small independent publishing house that championed works of literary fiction with a pop edge. And her most recent book is The Rise and Fall of Ava Arcana. Yeah, we had a great, really interesting conversation. Fascinating woman, had good perspective on stuff. Almost, a, well, and a great answer at the end, I gotta say. So uh, that's one to hang around for. It's one, of course, that I agree with. That's what part of what makes it so great, but I bet you do too. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Jennifer Banish. All right, we've got Jennifer Banish on the show. Jennifer, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for asking. And thanks so much for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. Uh, the Rise and Fall of Ava Arcana, uh, unless yeah. my math is funky, is book number six in my novel number six, am I correct? Or there's some hidden it's, that I didn't know about? Yeah, I mean, it's actually book number seven. My eighth novel is coming out next summer, um, ah, okay. so August of 24. Uh, my first book, you know, is like out of print. It was like a million ah, years ago. So, nice. but I okay. count it because it was published. Hey. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You count it. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, one of the most, one of the mistakes I think I made as a young writer, psychological mistakes is mm -hmm. not, not um, understanding that everything I did was part of the journey. Like every, sure. every poem, every unfinished, some of it, it, I could get into the feeling like, oh, it doesn't matter not published anywhere so i i'm all for everything counting does that make sense yeah i mean i just don't count the ones that are like in my hard drive that never really saw the light of day like i have two novels that will never ever be public they should never be published um you know they were the kinds of books that i had to write to learn how to become a writer um, oh, if that makes any sense absolutely so, but yeah. they contributed they still contributed they to your did. growth right they absolutely did. I just don't count them in the final tally because oh, yeah. no one ever reads them. And I don't know. I feel like you can't really be a writer if no one reads your stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, you need well, that dialogue. I don't know. Talk to Emily Dickinson. <laughs> well, that's true, but she certainly read now, right? And that's I what I mean. That. She is now, but not yeah. at the time she was. So, okay, so let's back up. So you're you're a writer. This is, you've I written am. a bunch of books, do some editing, 
teaching. Yeah. But yeah. You, strike, you strike me as somebody that reading and writing, I think, was a part of the, the show for a long time. Like from when you were a little girl, was that really just where your yeah. was? Yeah. I mean, like I was always I was always reading. I mean, I always had my face buried in a book. Um, you know, I would read. I read a really prolific amount as a kid and not like in a, I'm not saying that in like a, you know, wow, I'm so exceptional kind of a way. It was really more like a, you know, a a way to escape reality for me. Um, So I would read like five books a week as a little kid, you know, that was normal. Wow. Like when you say little, do you mean like 10, 11? Yeah. Like like 10, 11 years old. I was reading like five books a week and I had like read, I had read everything in the kids section at my library. So I started reading adult books. I remember reading like Daphne du Maurier's Rebecca at like 12 um, and being like, wow, this book is so messed up because this narrator never has a name. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so for me, though, it wasn't like I was some child genius. It was just like I didn't really particularly love being in the world, Um, you know, and books were, were an escape for me. What part of the world did you not like being in? What was the part of the world um, you felt needed escaping like, from? Being a child, you know, isn't really that fun. Um, oh, and, you know, when what? you're like 11, no, it's not that fun. You have <laughs> no autonomy. Everybody's telling you what to do. Oh, yeah. I'm oh. my phone. Um, and, you know, like everyone's making decisions for you. And right. um, books are like this magical space where you can be other people, right? Like, so yeah. you may not be a ballerina in your real life but if you read about one you can pretend you are you know in some way it's kind of like having that experience and um I've always been a person who really loves learning and so for me reading and learning kind of like go hand in hand really um I'm kind of like a sponge for information I've always been that way oh yeah and so still you still sponging it up not so much anymore. Um, you You've know, learned all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, you know, like I, I got a PhD a few years back and, um, you know, you kind of go as far as you can go in, in, in the academic track. And um, I still love learning about I'm like the person that will fall down some Internet rabbit hole for like two days on some deep dive about, you know, whatever, like Britney Spears or whatever. Um, but, yeah, you know, like. Um, I still love I still love learning. It's just not so much books in classrooms anymore. Although you teach, you taught. You're not teaching anymore. I did teach. I don't teach anymore. I haven't taught since the pandemic. Uh, uh, were you teaching at university level or doing? I was teaching at the university level a long time ago when I was getting my PhD, and then I taught um, at private high schools. So I ran the English. Uh, I ran the creative writing department at Brentwood School, where. Um, they had no creative writing department when I joined and I kind of like built that from the ground up and uh, so I was teaching English and creative writing. And so did you get your PhD before you published your first novel? No, I was actually in the PhD program while I was publishing my first novel, while, while I was writing my first novel. Um, and I was actually like, that's how I started ghostwriting was when I was in the PhD program. Um, I also had my, yeah, it's a weird story. I also had like my own press. So, um, yeah, my ex-husband and I had this press called Impetus Press that we started in Iowa City. We published like five or six novels before Borders put us out of business. Um, I don't know if you remember, um, you know, quite a a few years back, you know, when everything sort of started crumbling economically, um, Borders sort of like put a bunch of small publishers out of business 
business by like um, doing massive amounts of returns. And of course, like nobody oh. could, could stay afloat. But um, we had this press and one of our authors who we were publishing was a ghostwriter at the time. And he was a ghostwriter. Um, I'll never forget this. It's hilarious. He was a ghostwriter on this spinoff series from Gossip Girl. So he was a ghostwriter <laughs> on this series called The It Girl. And okay. it was really funny because he was like this big 200 pound like teddy bear of a guy and he was like the it girl right like, <laughs> and so he emailed me one day and he's like hey are you looking to make any extra money uh, you know my editor also does the gossip girl series and they need somebody to write like the you know i think it was like the next to last book in the series and i was like what well, i've never ghostwritten. i don't know what the hell i'm doing and he's like yeah but you love pop culture you and you grew up you know on the upper east side of new york you'd be perfect for this Right. And, you know, long story short, I, you know, did a couple of like sample chapters. And next thing I knew, I was the ghostwriter on the oh, series, which, of course, I couldn't talk about for years because I had to sign an NDA. Nobody knew those books were ghosted. And, right. you know, now it's kind of common knowledge. Um, right. So hopefully no one will sue yeah. me. But, um, yeah. You know, but anyway, that, so I was doing that. And like I thought, you know, I I was like, you know making no money teaching in the PD PhD program. I thought, you know, getting paid, like, I think I got paid like 10 grand to write the, you know, that gossip girl. I, I thought I was on easy street. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then after that, a, an editor from Penguin emailed me just sort of out of the blue and was like, I heard about what you did over at gossip girl. I'd really love it if you do a series for us, but under your own name. That's the elite and series. Yeah. And that's how the elite sort of came about was it? that was it was never even my, you know, wow. it was not anything that I when I, I had no aspirations to write young adult books. It's just something that happened. And then, you know, I, I, I loved it. So, you know, I, kept I find that it. so fascinating that the, the kind of creative mind that can be given kind of an assignment. But I, and I firmly believe I'm sort of a I'm sort of evangelical about this, that that you you have to bring yourself to whatever you're doing to have any fun in it kind of even if you're sure. doing an assignment and so i'm always intrigued by people who can say all right i'm doing what they want me to do but to do it well you have to still bring your own ideas to it was yeah that i mean the, fir the first thing i said to her though i was just like listen if i'm gonna do this <laughs> i don't even know where i had the like balls to even do this because you know i hadn't even published anything under my own name at that point right. except my first novel you know which you know quickly went out of print but um I, I said, listen, you know, if I'm going to do this, it really has to be different. That it can't be Gossip Girl Part Two, Electric right. Boogaloo. Like, I want these kids to have real problems. Like, what if I made one of the girls like a cutter and nobody knew about it? Like, right. what if, you know, what if like, you know, one girl's parents was was going through a horrific divorce? Like, I want these books to be able to um, not just be some fantasy of like what kids on the Upper East Side were like, because Gossip Girl is a great show and it's a great um, series of books, but it's not exactly accurate in terms of what the experience sure. is sure. actually living it. And so I had lived that experience partly. So I wanted to be able to kind of bring that, right. um, you know, to the table. Right. So, all right. So, so you wrote those three in short order, yeah. I should say, yeah. <laughs> you know, while I was, while I was finishing my PhD wow. and teaching full time and writing a dissertation. God. And, you know, I've helped, I have clients and I've helped a couple of them write their PhDs dissertation i don't help them in terms of the writing sure, no, the I psychological didn't. challenge of writing a dissertation can be for some people quite significant a lot of them are science-based writers a lot i had a job waiting for me though so like oh, I that's just, nice 
I, I had the, you know, the impetus really to like, just get it done. You know, right. like I had the motivation to just be like, okay, let's just wrap it up. Um, so I was starting my first year of, um, you know, independent school teaching. Right. Um, and while I was writing the second elite book, I was doing that. I think I was like in edits on it. Um, so it was crazy. It was like a big whirlwind wow. stuff. Busy woman, yeah. busy, busy woman. I was okay. busy, yeah. And then I did, um, then I wrote a book called White Lines, which was very, very different from, you know, yeah. the elite series. It was And like, so wait, let's, uh, let's back up to that. So, yeah. so what, when, so you wrote the three books in the elite series. I yeah, it probably I would have let Berkeley you. Jam. What's yeah. that? I wrote them for Berkeley Jam. Um, I'm not even sure Berkeley, isn't Berkeley's still in existence. I don't know about Berkeley Jam, but. Um, so you did yeah. that. And so what Penguin. were you, you were in, so, but you're enjoying fiction writing, obviously. Uh, even yeah, if it's, even I was if it's enjoying on assignment, it and I was, kind of. Yeah, I was starting to like work with younger people too. So, you know, okay. like, you know, I'd been teaching college freshmen. It's not that big of a jump to then teach high school seniors, which is kind of what right. I was right. you know, thrown into. But I was, you know, working with with younger kids then at that point. And so it really just like fed into the stuff that I was interested in and in writing at YA. I mean, they just right. inadvertently gave me so much material. That's right. And so you, you felt, know? but you felt compelled to say, I got to go off and do something kind of on my own. What was the sort of thinking behind starting a, yeah. doing something different? Well, I knew I was, you know, I I knew I was going to write another book and it was a book that I had been sort of kicking around for years that was loosely based on my own experience in the 1980s as a club kid, um, you know, as like a club kid. Yeah, I was a club kid. Yeah. I've never like, heard that term. You mean your parents belong to a club and they would bring you to no, that club? No, 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 no. It means I worked in nightclubs throwing parties when I was like what? 15, 16 years old. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They and have so, kids like, doing was, that? Yeah, there and you know, like some of the people who came out of this time are like people like RuPaul. Um, right. Yeah. One of them became like not as impressive, but one of them was a murderer. Um, and there was a movie <laughs> made about this called Party Monster. Okay. Um, yeah. Wow. And so yeah, so like there was this whole contingent of us that everybody called club kids, and we were all young and um, out past our bedtimes and doing things we shouldn't have been doing. And, wow. and it was this very formative period in my life, but a period that also sort of scared me to death to write about and that I had really kind of tried to forget. And so I wrote this book called White Lines and I wrote it while I was teaching and I did it at my own time. There was no publisher, right? you know, attached right. to it. My editor, Lisa Grubka at the time was, you know, really, really, you know, she really championed the book and, she sold it to Stacy Barney over at um, uh, Penguin at, at GP Putnam. And, um, you know, she just, she fell in love with the book. And that's so, awesome. Yeah. That was a two book deal. And then I wrote another novel for her after that called silent alarm, which is about a fictional school shooting. Right. And so you were, so you, you were inspired by your teaching and just your, your proximity to the children, because, you know, I would have to say, if someone asked me to write about teenagers now, I would have to remember like, what was it actually like, you know, I yeah. had kids, I raised kids. And so that I kind of looked at it through their lens, but they were unusual kids. And I'm not sure it would have helped me that much. So. Sure. I mean, I, you know, the, it was, it was easier for me in that, you know, like it was inspiring being around the kids because they had so much energy, but the time period I was writing about was the eighties. So um, you know, the oh, book's set, the book's oh. set in 1988. So all yeah. I had to really do was kind of remember what that was like being 15 yeah. years old, you know, yeah. in like 1988. Um, and it's then, historical you know, fiction yeah. now. 
It is. It's so sad. Really. It's, it's, it's so depressing. It's so depressing. It's not like I'm writing about, you know, like Victorian era. I know. I know. <laughs> and then when I wrote Silent Alarm, um, I was actually pregnant with my daughter, which was really interesting to like be writing about a world that I really hoped wouldn't exist by the time she got older. Right. And now well, here we are, you know, here we are. Here we are. Yeah. So many years later. And it's still, you know, I think I even put in the epigraph, like, you know, or, or the um, the dedication for, you know, I wrote to my daughter and I said, I hope, you know, for story, which is my daughter's name, you know, in the hopes that um, this world, you know, as it is, won't exist when you're older. Right. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's sort of a depressing. Now we know where we are. <laughs> well. We know where we are, Jennifer. We don't know where we will be. We still don't know where we, don't, we, will be. we don't know, but she's Things 10 change. now, and you know, she's 10 now, and she has to do active shooter drills, you know, yeah, every year. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we hope that will change. People, we hope it will change, right? We hope it will change. Vote for it. Vote for it. Um, okay, so so and then we got so we got novel number seven, but published available novel number six, we'll say. So that came out through yeah. Lake Union. And that was sort of an unusual experience because it was part of their early reads, which I was not totally familiar with. But basically, they make it available to this big group of people before it's pub date. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's a really interesting story how this book even happened, because quite honestly, I really thought I was never going to write another book. Why? Um, what? I had what? really I was working as an editor and a ghostwriter and I was really busy and I'm yeah. raising a small child and yeah. you know, like there just, there weren't enough hours in the day for my own okay. stuff. And I just really thought, okay, well, this is something I did. And I think that, I think it's over, you know, okay. I had a certain amount of success with it. And now I, I feel like, you know, it's gone away. Okay. And um, it was right before the pandemic. It was like maybe Jan or December uh, 2019. This is why you should always be like really nice to everybody that you work with in this business because everybody, <laughs> it circles around, right? Right, right. So I was working for a ghostwriting agency in Manhattan, heading up their fiction department. And um, what part of my job was to kind of like form relationships between, you know, publishers and agents and things like that and us and try to see if we can work together. Hold on, just so, a sec, just to be, I'm just, I just, yeah. hold on. So your ghostwriting agency, you basically have a sort of a cattle or a herd of, of writers who you farm out to do ghostwriting. Yes. But do you do them yourself or just over like 500 writers? That Holy like, moly. You know, oh. um, really? And not okay. just me, so, not just me solely. There were other people on the okay, team and whatever, it. but so it wasn't just me, but um, in any case, um, I called up my, you know, my old, old colleagues that I had worked with when I had done gossip girl, I emailed them at Alloy Entertainment. And I was like, hey, here's some, you know, can we can we work together again, you know, in this capacity? And they're like, well, we don't work with ghostwriters anymore. Um, but we really want you to do another book. Like, would you consider doing another book with us? And I was just like, maybe, um, I don't wow. know. And then the pandemic hit and I got COVID really early. I oh, got it okay. in March, 2020. Wow. Well, I, I live in New York City, so yeah, here, yeah, yeah. you know, we were ground zero, basically, for, yeah. for everything. I got sick, and I, I got long COVID, and I was sick for about five months. Wow. Um, wow. During that time, Alloy, Alloy and my agent came back to me and were like, do you want to write a book? And I said, quite honestly, I don't know if I can write a book. I was having serious problems with, like, aphasia and memory 
Wow. And, you know, like my brain had been affected. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, I don't, I don't know if I can. And during the course of the conversation, I remember somebody said to me, um, have you heard that really weird rumor about Lady Gaga that's going around that she pushed her friend off a building? To get you know what? I never heard that rumor. Yeah, yeah. So, and I and I said no. Tell me more. And I was like immediately, immediately intrigued. And uh, that night, I like pounded out the first chapter of Ava, and you know, wow. that was it. I finished the book over the course of the next nine months, and then spent a few months editing it. Um, and uh, but yeah, that book is that book is the absolute reason you should never burn bridges in this book wow. because. People come back from your past. It, you know, like you think you're done, you're not done. <laughs> so you your know? mind, what? Yeah. Your mind Sorry. was not as, in the end, your mind came to. It showed yeah. up and helped you write yeah. that book. I got, I got better as I was working. You know, do the you first, think, yeah. Do you think the writing, I, you know, I think of, there's a famous, he's long dead now, but Horowitz, Anthony, Hor I think it's, no, I forget his first, Vladimir Horowitz, the uh -huh. old Russian pianist. Right. And he uh, had terrible arthritis, except when he played the piano. When he played the piano, no pain, no yeah. trouble. And then it would come back. And so I've, I always remember that story as an artist of any kind. I'm always impressed with the healing power of focus. And I wonder if the focus of the writing helped do something almost physiologically with you. Am I being too optimistic? No, I mean, no, I mean, it's a, it's a nice idea. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll think, take that. You know, yeah. I think it was like a combination of things, you know, like I finally was able to see a doctor who like knew what the hell was going on oh, and that's nice. found out that I was like criminally deficient and things like B12, you know, which oh, you need okay. for brain function. And, you know, the, the virus basically eats that stuff in your body. And, wow. um, you know, because I got infected so early, nobody knew anything. Right. Um, so right. it was sort of a process of figuring it out, but you know, I will say that having something to do every day, like having to get up, having to sit at a desk, having to be on deadline really was helpful to me. You know, like I've yeah. had a lot of people say to me, I don't know how you wrote a book during the pen, like the worst part of the pandemic. And I'm like, I don't know how I couldn't have because. Yeah, see, that's that's how I yeah. would feel like I got to do something. Yeah. I, I had some surgery on my forearm. So and it was on the skin and they were like, OK, the next six weeks. You can't type with that hand. You can't play the piano. You can't play the guitar. You can't cook. You can't drive. You can't do push-ups. And I was like, oh, I'll just watch TV. I'm like, I could do that for about two days. And then I was like, yeah. I need to you find some way to focus it. or I'll go mad. Yeah. No, I can't imagine. Yeah. So and then, you know, it it sold to Lake Union. And um that was my first non-traditional. I mean, I'd always been with like big five right, publishers. Right. And yeah. I was not, to be honest, I was not that excited about sure. it like out sure. of everybody who was interested in you know we we had a bunch of editors that were, you know out of everyone that was interested and in, they were my not i'm not going to say my last choice but they right. certainly weren't my first yeah but after i spoke to my editor alicia clancy over there i mean she basically said to me listen to me we know how to sell this book. yeah yeah i know like, a bunch of people at amazon who have just thrived over there yeah she's like this is a contemporary like hip you know story about female rock musicians and we know how to sell this to the masses right. um you know you're gonna get like you know there's that famous story about daisy jones and the six you know it, it as great as the book is it had the worst time finding a home in publishing everybody turned it down and it's because right. Um, there's this stigma about books in centered in the music industry, set in the music industry. Really? So I didn't um, know yes. that. I yeah. didn't know that. So, okay. So um, 
what do you call it? Marketing. The marketing department really feels that they won't sell. Right. So the the famous story about Daisy Jones and the six is that the, I forget random house, I think is who finally picked it up and they only did it because the editor convinced the marketing team that Daisy, that the six were based on Fleetwood Mac. And that was a cultural reference they understood. So they were like, Oh, okay. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'm glad to hear this. I'm glad to hear this because the publishing world, I think they know some things, but I also think they can be blind and and be backwards looking and not understand. So it's I'm good to be reminded that of all the yeah. gaps they can make. I too. mean, it's run by a bunch of dinosaurs. You know what I mean? Mm, like it's, mm, it's hot take. Well, I mean, it is. It is. <laughs> and they're just unwilling to take any kind of risks. And, you know, it's like all these books are bought every year. And, you know, most books sell on average of 200 copies. Um, there are like five books a year that sell more than that. Right. Um, and, you know, the, the everybody else is just sink or swim, you know, right. like, right. so I don't think I'm saying anything that, that people don't already know. But well, they, you know. some of our some of our listeners know it and some don't want to know it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but you, you got yeah. more than 200 reviews on this sort of uh, on their first reads program which is so people sign up to say give me the book before anybody else can get it basically. yeah so what happens is in march you know if you're a first reads member if you're if you have amazon prime so you don't even have okay. to be a first reads member but if you have prime i do amazon send yeah they send you an email every month that says because you're a prime member you get to pick one free book and ah. they'll give you there are like four or five selections that you can choose from so ava was the selection one of the selections for the month month of march okay and that has been, I remember saying to like my editor, when I was signing with her, I was like, listen, you know, there's no money in this business. Like money would be nice. Like it'd be nice to have a bestseller and all that. But what I really just want is to be read. Like right. why right. make that happen for me? And, yeah. you know, I can't, I can't get angry at anything because, you know, she did that. Um, That's great. You know, the book has like over 3,300 reviews right now. Wow. And, um, you know, I get emails from people like all the time talking in Instagram DMs and whatever. Like the book is, is that gratifying. People have made TikToks about it. Like it's weird. <laughs> They're marketing for you. They're doing the yeah. marketing for you. Well, if I was a really good author, I would be on book talk and doing this myself. Yeah. But I'm like completely allergic to that. Kind yeah, of stuff. I can't. The book talk thing. I, you know, I get it. I mean, your kind of book would probably be a good book talk book. To yeah, you but choose, I have but... to be. I have to be an author in literally every other space in on social media. And TikTok is the one place where I like watch cat videos. You yeah. know, like I need something like that. I totally, you know? I get it. I yeah. get it. So, but you know what's also nice about that? Yeah, it just goes to show you you don't have to do that in order to have reader. Well, I would say if you have a machine like Lake Union behind you, you don't have to do stuff like right. that. But I would say if you don't, and you're just, you know, another, you know, one of the millions of books that gets published every year, you do. Agreed. However, yeah. however, Jennifer, let us not take you out of the equation because those reviews, if they all were one star, that would not have helped you so much, I don't think. No. So in other words, the fact that people read it, chose it. So you wrote a you you wrote a book that had a title and a concept that appealed to enough people to read it enough people to write a good review of it. So that did serve that that right. also helped, right? Well, I mean, yeah, it's also, you know, tooting my own horn here, but it's also a really good book. That's you know? right. I mean, there you go. That's, that's there you the go. That, 
they don't hand out those four and five star reviews on Amazon. No, like it's no. a tough crowd. It's a tough room. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't I actually don't read my reviews. I haven't, you know, don't, good. It, don't, 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 do I it. don't, I don't. I stopped doing it years ago when my editor at Putnam told me to not read them. And yeah, I just, I don't, smart. I don't do it anymore. Um, the only book, the only review I read was book list because my, publisher sent it to me so i kind of had to and it was a night it was a rave review so that's um, right. I'm, I'm i'm all for people for writers not reading their reviews every once in a while i'll do yeah. it and i wish i didn't you know i'll just say oh, jump up. yeah okay. no and to be honest i don't really um i don't really care all that much once i'm done with the book right like, once i'm done with the book i'm sort of disconnected from it and although like it was my baby and whatever it's like the baby's grown up and I'm kind of on, I immediately start writing the next book. That's good. Um, yeah. That's good. So. Right attitude. Ah, oh, Jennifer, you have very durable psychology when it comes to the writer. <laughs> I'm much impressed. I hope we can all suck a little bit off of that. I think it's good stuff. Yeah. Good hey. luck. Congrats on this book. It's, I, I really you. enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I didn't talk about it much, but I quite enjoyed it. And it's, no, it's really compelling here. from the jump. And uh, good luck with your next one. But I'm not through with you yet, Jennifer. Thanks. Not quite yeah. through with you. I got one more question I want you to do. You've got right. writing, fiction, ghost writing, all kinds of writing. I want you to think about it all. And if it's taught you anything just about life, what has it taught you? I think writing has really taught me that you really have to do what you love, um, regardless of the outcome. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yes. Like, Oh, yeah. If I didn't love writing and, and, and telling stories and doing, I, I mean, like I, I mean, in some other life, I'd be like an investment banker, right? Because right. that's, that's how you're going to make your money. Right? right. Um, but I wouldn't be happy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you have to, um, you have to persevere in the things that you love. Even, you know, like even through the sort of like peaks and valleys, like of your career, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you have to, you have to really sort of like stay strong because a writing career is not a marathon, you know, it is those kinds of peaks and valleys. That's and right. sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down. Um, sometimes you're in like the goddamn basement, right? I mean, <laughs> That's like, right. you know, so you really have to love what you do because if you don't love what you do, it's not worth it. You know what I mean? Like by any, nope. by any definition, nope. it's not worth it. So, and, and I think that goes to, go, that applies to everything, not just writing, but like, you know, I've talked to so many people who are like working jobs that they can't stand, right? Just for a paycheck, right? Like yeah. I would never write just for a paycheck. Even with ghostwriting, it's been a really long time since I've taken a job that I just hated just for the money, right? right. Thankfully, I'm at a point now where if I take a ghosting gig, um it's something i really want to do right? right um so yeah so i mean i don't know if that that's clear or not but that's clear hey listen <laughs> i finish i every one of these podcasts i say this very same thing as i sign off go find something you yeah. love to do and do it so you see oh. yeah right and can I say, um like you know look out for my new book it's called the essential elizabeth stone and it's coming out um i think in august from lake union august august oh, oh. yeah no, next it's, talk. I, Wait a minute. September now, so it'll be yeah. Next August. Yeah. Okay, people, keep an eye out for it, everybody. Yeah, keep an eye. All right. See, do what you love. You got to do what you love. 
And I tell you, that's what it's all about, baby. It's hard to believe sometimes that's all you got to do. I doubt it sometimes myself, but it is true. I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. Thank you, my friend. I want to thank all of you out there. Thanks for listening. Listen, I say it every week, but I'll say it again. Find something you love to do. You know, it doesn't matter. I know you're a writer. You love to write. But anything you love to do, it all feeds it. It all feeds it. It all feeds it. Yes, it does. So go find something you love to do and do it. (laughs) 